You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Is there anything else you need to know about me? Huh. Favorite sexual position? Cinematic Leap. Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Stay on the other side of the line. <laughs> and, my, and Glenn Greening. Uh, hello. What did Michael say? I didn't understand. <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea. Stay on the oh, other side of the line. Right, right, right. That's a, you know, you're following with a huge and levy thing. Uh, gotcha. Well played. I'll have to slow that down in post, I guess. <laughs> just coming from nowhere, just yeah. shouting all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, just, what have, what have we done? How are we, gentlemen? <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Had a busy week, Michael? I have. We're um, preparing, preparing for Stress League Showtime, although when this comes out, it's probably will and truly been. Um, and yeah, just you know, a lot of educational things, a couple of projects going on. Oh, nice. Glenn? Yes. Good way? Yeah, uh, no, usual. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a good movie watching week. I, I watched Drag watch? Me to Hell. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah, I hadn't. I know Glenn was a fan, and I hadn't. I've been circling it for a while, so I thought I'll give it a crack. And yeah, it would have actually been an interesting one to to leap to, back from uh, match match stick men, mm. if we'd chosen uh, Alice and Lohman. Yes, we've uh, had some interesting discussion. But anyway, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get back to it somehow. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Or is she not that in many few, you know, uh, I films? I think she's in a few. Not many. Um, oh, what's the other guy? Is it Matthew Long? Not Matthew Long. Um, Cage. He's out of Die Hard 4 as well. Oh, Justin Long. Justin Long. Justin Long. He's in a bunch of stuff, yeah. Yeah, so he was in it as well. All right, so this week, Glenn, this is your second movie in a row. Uh, the the middle part of your uh, of your three your trifecta that you get to choose. Um, and this pod, we are going to do Serendipity. Oh, a two thousand. Hang on, I said ser- Serenity. Did you watch Serendipity? That'd be funny. That'd be awkward. Well, I hope we're doing Serendipity, which was a uh, two thousand and one romantic comedy directed by Peter Chelsom. Stars John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. Co-stars Molly Shannon, Jeremy Piven, Bridget Monaghan and Eugene Levy, who was our leaper. Just want to note that I would be ready for Serenity, even if we hadn't watched it. <laughs> I have no idea go. what that movie is. Sorry. I'm glad. I, hopefully I picked the right one. Uh, had a budget of $28 million, made $77.5 million. And this probably came out just in the, uh, the golden era of... Uh, 
rom-coms, I would have thought. It was a pretty big rom-com era back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Back when the world yeah. was innocent. Uh, so in terms of reviews, Rotten Tomatoes uh, has an average score of 5.8 out of 10, Metacritic 52 out of 100, and IMDb is a bit of an outlier at 6.8 out of 10. Mm. Uh, now, the leaper was Eugene Levy and Glenn obviously chose him and this movie. Why did you choose Eugene Levy, Glenn? It was all just the path that I was following to get to this film, really. Um, didn't really matter who I picked. Yeah, just to get where I need so to. So you just wanted... Yeah. You um, wanted to get to this movie specifically? Is that so you could jump to your next movie or did you just really enjoy this movie? I really enjoy this movie. It's in my top 25 um, and it gets me to another movie I really love as well. So, yeah, it was either this or last week I almost picked Jerry Maguire, um, which is also in my top 10, but I didn't go there. Uh, it's a hard choice, but I went to this one instead because I thought just to mix things up, we haven't done much romantic comedies. We've done sport movies before. We've done... You know, yeah, I thought this was something we hadn't really done, so. Yeah, but if you choose Jerry Maguire, which incidentally, in my opinion, is a much better movie than this, yet I would have had the great discussion, is that a, a romantic comedy or is it a sports movie or is it a sports drama? Well, we'll get to it Cause it's a, Yeah, it's very much in the middle of a few genres, I'd reckon, Jerry Maguire. Hmm. So, Maybe. <laughs> so I'll be honest, I hadn't seen this movie. Um, I wouldn't say I was excited when you picked it, Glenn, but I thought, no, no, I'll, I'll go in with an open mind. I thought it's a movie, probably one of the few movies that I could watch with my wife. And when I told her and I told her it was a rom-com, she seemed um, interested and excited that we'd be able to yeah, watch this movie together. Um, so, yeah, I sort of went in with an open mind. I thought, here we go, it's something... Probably a genre that I don't necessarily track through a lot. So, yeah, I was sort of interested. Michael, had you seen this? I had seen this. I had seen this back in the heyday, probably 2001, uh, when it originally came out. Um, yeah. So I thought, oh, I think I recall it not being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a positive. Hmm. All right. All right. Well, without further ado, Michael, throw to the trailer. Well, I'm sorry. He fell in love at first sight. Favourite New York moment? This one's climbing the charts. I'm flattered. But she had to be sure it was destiny. That was an accident. Write that down again, please. I can't. OK, see this book? So when I get home tonight, I'm going to write my name and my number inside this book. Yeah. And then first thing tomorrow morning, I'll sell it to a used bookstore. You're insane. Now, ten years. Cheers. And two engagements later. Tell me something romantic. Like what? How oh, I'm the only girl in the entire universe meant for you. Why would you risk your relationship with Hallie just to search for some pipe dreams? I'm staring into the sky thinking about this mystery guy I met a million and a half hours ago. You could enter this account number in the computer and just tell me your name. Oh, I see. When you put it that way, no. If you don't do this, you may never find out who Sarah is. The address of a Jonathan Traeger. Oh! Look out! Oh! Hi. You must be late. Late for what? The wedding. 
John Cusack, Kate Beckinsale, Serendipity. All right. Uh, back with you, Glenn. This is your second movie of your trifecta, so you get to do the synopsis. Over to you. All right. Basically, this movie follows a pair of gloves. We open seeing this pair of gloves uh, inside Bloomingdale's store and... Um, uh, some salespeople find it when they're sorting through some stuff and they place it on the rack to sell. Um, and that's where we meet... Oh, yes. I want to pull you up there, Glenn. This movie starts yes. with a time lapse um, that seemed out of place. <laughs> so, what's going on? Why? Anyway. Because it looked good. Go back to, go back to it. Oh, well... Eh. If you really want me to go through every single shot, Michael, this is going to be a long <laughs> podcast. I'm mainly going through plot. Uh... Uh, yes, plot. Okay, carry on. So Jonathan um, Traeger, played by John Cusack, and Sarah Thomas, played by Kate Beckinsale, uh, Christmas shopping in Bloomingdale's in New York, and they both grab the same pair of gloves at the same moment, um, and that's how they meet. Um Despite be, both being in relationships, a mutual attraction leads to them going out for a coffee or dessert at Serendipity, where Sarah explains that she lets fate's little signals determine many of her decisions. Um, they immediately hit it off, um, have a lot of chemistry, and he wants to get her number or see her again, and she said, no, 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 you know, let's just let fate decide. If we are meant to see each other again, we will. And so they separate, but then they go their own way, and he's a bit, like, you know, annoyed. Um, but then he realises he's forgotten his scarf, so he goes back to get it, and there she is, having forgotten the gloves that um, they, that she bought. So they do meet again um, straight away. Um, so they then decide to spend the night um, hanging out and go ice skating, have a nice time, um, and then... Jonathan convinces her to give him her number. But when the wind blows it out of her hand, Sarah thinks it's fate telling them to back off. Um, Jonathan disagrees, so, and Sarah decides to let fate reunite them, and she has Jonathan write his phone number on a $5 note and uses that to buy breath mints and then promises to sell her copy of Love in the Time of Cholera um, book um, in which she will write her name and number. Um, so... They're going to let destiny and fate decide if they will meet again. Um, and as one last experiment, Sarah tosses Jonathan one of his one of the gloves, and they board separate elevators in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, and agree that if they arrive on the same floor, they are meant to be together. They each pick the same floor, but an annoying kid gets on the elevator on the way up and pushes all the buttons in um, Jonathan's elevator, leading Sarah to believe that the experiment failed, and they both live leave disappointed and separately okay so after that magical night years later um, we see jonathan is a espn producer engaged to Haley, and sarah is a therapist living in san francisco engaged to internationally renowned musician lars or she gets engaged to him um, in the first scene where we see them um, we see jonathan is still thinking of sarah even as he is close to getting married he sees a book sale and checks inside the cover of the same book she wrote her name in, her number in. 
Um, <clears throat> suddenly, Jonathan is hearing the name Sarah everywhere. He thinks it's a sign. He approaches his best friend, played by Jeremy Piven, um, asking for help to find Sarah. They again go searching for the book, which he would have done years ago already. Um, Jonathan accidentally finds his cashmere glove that she threw across to him at the elevators and discovers a receipt in it with account numbers on it. Um, meanwhile, Sarah, stressed by the wedding planning and Lars's focus on an upcoming world tour, travels to New York with her best friend Eve to find Jonathan after seeing after she sees a Cool Hand Luke movie poster and thinking it's a sign. And she's also still checking the back of $5 notes when she sees them. So obviously she's still got him on her mind as well. Um, <clears throat> Jonathan goes back to Bloomingdale's with the receipt, hoping to find customer details from the details on the receipt. And the sales person is not helpful. The um, it's interesting you say like you know he goes back with the receipt is um because we're kind of getting to a point where it crosses a line, um, yes. you know there was this kind of idea that fate is going to bring them together. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, maybe that was actually a metaphor Eugene was kind of throwing out there. Um, you know, so it goes from like you know chance, random chance is going to bring together, like you know, and the gloves coming up, like you know, out of the closet. Was that an accident or was that fate? That um, no, was his girlfriend. But the that happened to just be packing for their trip away for their fiance. Fiance, yeah, fiance. Um, and yeah, and then but like he shifts from you know, oh, well, chance will bring best together to actively stalking. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to use the receipt and go there and see if I can do that. Like, we're we're going into interesting territory now. If we were to make this movie again in the in the 21st century. There'd be police involved. That's my thoughts. It's helpful that these sort of movies where someone's trying to track down someone, it, it's always, oh, my friend works at the newspaper and has all these access to all this private information <laughs> and details. And <laughs> um, mm. I mean, why didn't years ago try just a private investigator? You know, that could have been, you could have taken all the kind of fat out of right out of it. Like, you know, I've got the receipt. Can you find this person? I'm on it, man. It's going to cost you a hundred bucks a day. I can afford it because it's my soulmate. Yeah, did he really try that hard? I mean, why didn't he just look at the glove seven years ago? He would have found a receipt. Mm. Would have made yeah. life a lot easier. Definitely. Okay. Anyway, so after nearly crossing paths with Jonathan throughout the day, Eve and Sarah have dessert at Serendipity, where Eve convinces Sarah to give up her search. As Eve leaves, she picks up the $5 note with Jonathan's number on it. That was left as their change. Um, they catch the same cab that Jonathan and Dean exited while searching for Sarah. After finding, after finding that a bridal shop next to Serendipity now occupies the address of a roommate finder service Sarah wants to use, used, Jonathan sees it as, as a sign that he should marry Haley. So they've both given up at this point and realised, okay, this isn't going to work. Um, at the Waldorf Astoria, Eve and Sarah encounter Haley headed to the wedding, a wedding rehearsal, and Haley invites Eve to join her since they were friends in college, but Sarah declines. Um, she goes back to her room and finds an apologetic Lars. Uh, at the rehearsal, Jonathan's distracted demeanor frustrates Haley. She tearfully pleads with him to focus on the wedding, and he reassures her that he has been distracted but has let it go. Can I just? Can I just say that I was glad that um, 
uh, Sarah didn't go to or wasn't going to go to the wedding because as soon as when she goes, oh, you can come to the wedding, I'm like, uh, oh, please don't be that. <laughs> please don't be one of those things where he sees her and then they call the wedding off midway through. That'd just be. Yeah. That's yeah. been awkward. And more awkward than it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, we'll, which we'll get to that later. But no, I'm glad mm. that didn't happen. Yes, instead, uh, Haley then gives him uh, a gift and he opens up a gift from um, her and it's Sarah's old book containing her phone number. What are the chances? What are the odds? Fate would bring them together this way. You know what? I think fate's a dick. Fate has clearly got the, like, you know, "Ah, this is going to be hilarious. Let me tell you this. And this is why you give uh, vouchers to bookstores, not actual books. Mm, Lesson learned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or was it? Oh, well, they never would have. They would have just been happily married. Everyone would have moved on. Certainly, was Haley's lesson was learned. I gave him this book, and then he dumped me. <laughs> he, he, he didn't even he rock up. Didn't really. He hated the book or the present, or there was something else about it. Yeah. Mm. You should secondhand present seriously. Buy something new. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like it was. The dude's an obsessive, and he's been looking at this book gift. over, you know, like, and looking at the cover the, all that time. Mm. Like, you know, the fact that, like, I mean, clearly he's been hung up on this, you know, woman for a few years, a few years later. Um, but she hasn't. She hasn't been hung up, hung up in, under him. Like, it's it's not until, like, you know, Lars is kind of, you know, it's like, wow, this is, this is really a bit shit. And she finds, there's something triggers her, but, like, you know, like, she's not active. She doesn't seem to be actively kind of trying to pursue. I, I always assumed that he wasn't hung up on her. It was only as they neared the wedding day that his mind started to to think about other things, whether it's because, you know, they're getting married at the, the Waldorf and that sort of thing, and maybe that's what triggered And then he started hearing the name and he started, it started reconciling him in his head that, oh, hang on, or remembering it. He started, that's the way I sort of thought it, it went, but I may be wrong. I... I, I mean, and, you know, it was commented earlier that maybe I'm not a trusting person. I wonder if it's a bit more sinister. Like, he he has been involved in booking the Waldorf for their wedding. Like, you know, he's, he's been on his mind all this time. Like, why? Like, you know, if you think I'm, I really care for this girl, I, you know, I really need to let go of this, like, you know, random Sarah girl. Like, it's been a few years. Um, surely just go, hey, let's do the Waldorf history. Like, no. There's a memory there, like it was really positive, but I probably, you know, if we're going to get married, let's not do it there. Hmm. Interesting. I, I think you did it deliberately. It's on the on the hope that it just happened on the weekend that he was there getting married. That Sarah. Yeah. Well, I guess it was all about fate, isn't it? It's weird that yeah. um, he's got this or... fiance who, you know, you assume you would share stories and your history with your fiance and talk to them a bit. And if she saw him looking at this book all the time, surely he would have told the story. You know, one time I met this girl. And she wrote her name in a book that I never found it. And that's why I do this. Like, why wouldn't he have just said the story? Because it's a nice story. Yeah, exactly. It is a nice story. Oh, look, I hope you never leave this girl for me. Well, that's the thing. If he uh, leave, leave me for this if girl. If he told the story and then know. he continued to look in the book, she'd be going, hey, hey hang on. Whoa, hey, this, isn't, hey, hey. this isn't going well. But I must mm-hmm. say, kudos to Hayley. Like, she's obviously picked up that he continues to look at this book and goes, I actually... On your wedding day, here is a present. I've noticed that you don't actually have a copy. You always look for it, whether he's after a first edition, edition which I think is what she buys him. Sorry, 
one would argue, Scott, that um, that women are much more astute than uh, oh, hundred percent, and that like you know <laughs> they would notice like this, you know this, you know this behavior. Whereas like you know they could be doing all these things. It's like, what are you doing that for? It's like I do this every day. Oh, I've never seen it before. What's going on? <laughs> like we'd be the oblivious one. So, frankly, he got sprung. Yeah. That's what that is. Mm. Sorry, Glenn. Continue. Um, so. Yes, the book has a phone number. Jonathan and Dean get her address and fly to San Francisco. Um, Once there, they see Sarah's sister and her boyfriend having sex and assume it is Sarah in a happy relationship. Dean helps Jonathan realise that he shouldn't marry Hayley while Sarah decides to end her engagement to Lars. Uh, The next... We're not really sure why. Just because he's a dick. He was a dick. Oh, mm. He just wasn't suited to her. He, they they did set him up to be a bit like that, didn't they? But he wasn't a bad guy. He was just not for her. But, I mean, it, just all about himself and his, his music. Yeah, self-serving music. <laughs> yeah, um, I think they they set it up easy for for like him to fail. Like it was a low bar. Um, like how uh, the character had stayed with Lars for that long, I have no idea. Fate. Like surely she would have picked that up early, you know. The signs all... Anyway, um, the next day when on the plane about to go home, Sarah finds the $5 note with Jonathan's number on it, having gotten hers and E's wallets mixed up. After getting his address and being told by the building superintendent of his wedding at the Waldorf, Sarah hurries there and is relieved to find the ceremony cancelled. Uh, Dean reassures Jonathan that he did the right thing and vows to be more spontaneous in his own marriage which has been on the rocks. Jonathan wanders to the same skating rink, skating rink where he spent part of his evening with Sarah and finds a leather jacket on a bench. As it begins to snow, he lays on, on his back in the middle of the rink with the jacket as a pillow, and one of the pair of cashmere gloves lands on his chest. Um, he sits up and finds Sarah watching him having come to claim her jacket that she left there um, when she's with Lars. They introduce themselves and finally share a kiss. Later, they celebrate their anniversary in front of the display of cashmere gloves where they met. Don't forget that Eugene Levy's character, the Bloomingdale salesman, yes. pops up and says, it's time, don't cross the line, oh, you know. <laughs> yes. In movie. End movie. Nice work, Glenn. Uh, all right. We'll go through the categories, cast and characters. Michael. Uh, was certainly adequate. You know, um, Joan Cusack can be interesting. This, I don't think this is his John, best role. not Joan. Um, John, yeah. Yeah, I mean, easily confused. No, John. Uh, I think Jeremy Piven was kind of, you know, he was all right. Um, I was actually kind of, I, I wonder how their relationship ended up, you know, I'd like to, that would have been a nice epilogue. Um, Kate Beckinsale, obviously early in her career, but she was, you know, I mean, she's obviously, you know, an attractive woman and like, you know, sells it well. I, I wonder if like it's easy with the, the British accent kind of flows that, they, you know, takes it through. Um, uh, oh, where's the guy that plays Lars? What's his name? I don't know. According to my wife, it's Aiden from Sex and the City, though. <laughs> um, I, like, 
you know, I guess you're looking for people that you want to, you know, go like, yeah, flick him quickly. Um, he did well. Um, he was funny, like, actually. Yeah, he was good. Actually. Yeah. Ah, there it is. John, John Corbett playing Lars Hammond. Um, like, he, yeah, he, he embodied the role. Like, that was kind of, that was cool. Um, that would have been, a, like, you know, a, an interesting sort of subplot where he kind of, like, trying to win her back. Serendipity oh, 2. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, and of course Eugene Levy um, did what he could with a uh, that part of Bloomingdale Salesman. Actually, probably like you know, given it was just Bloomingdale Salesman, he really kind of nailed it. I guess. He did. And what what Bloomingdale Salesman would take you down to the warehouse to kind of crack open that sort of like all those documents. You know, One who just sold seven hundred dollar suit or whatever. I'm about to say, uh, Jonathan did spend about anywhere between seven hundred to a thousand bucks in the store in a short space of time. And that was in two thousand one. He's made him his sales target for the month or the week or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, Glenn. Um, for me, the highlight of the cast and characters, I just really like the two best friends, the uh, Jeremy Piven and Molly Shannon. I feel like they're just so good at that sidekick sort of role um to the main characters they're just really funny but also just sort of believable as well at the same time just i think they're really good actors they're just really whatever they're in i like both of them um also yeah just the main characters um also great john cusack and kate beckersale both really good i just really like like them both and Especially John Cusack, I realised watching this again, um, just how good he is as an actor, and he's actually, um, yeah, he's just probably becoming one of my favourite actors. Um, his facial expressions, um, the way he just reacts, and just when he just non-verbal acting, he's just really, he can just say a lot with his face, like just the way he reacts or listens, just. Watching him listen to other characters is just really, he's just really good. I really like him. Um, yeah. He was very good in Hot Tub Time he's, Machine. He's, he does a lot of good variety as well, mm. so, yeah. <laughs> yep, anything else? No, that's all for me. I, look, I I actually usually enjoy John Cusack. I thought he was okay. I thought he did, I think Michael summed it up when he said adequate, both him and Kate Beckinsale. Uh, I was surprised that I hadn't seen Kate Beckinsale in more, and I thought, oh, maybe she sort of dropped off the perch. But she, she's actually been in a lot of movies, but just obviously ones that aren't necessarily um, in my wheelhouse, I think. You mean you haven't seen Underworld? No, no, and I said that there's, oh, I said there's quite a few. Underworld Evolution, yeah. Underworld Awakening, uh, Rise of the Lichens, Awakenings, there's five. Yeah, you do five I haven't movies. seen any of them. One, um, I had... Yeah, she's like a vampire and she kills we'll do stuff. do one next week, awesome. Michael, and then you can do three more. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the fifth one's probably terrible anyway. Um, and obviously she was in Pearl Harbor and, and a few other bigger movies. But yeah, I hadn't really seen her in much, but I thought she was quite, she was quite nice in this. Um... I agree, Glenn. I think the best friends, Molly Shannon and Jeremy Piven, were were really good in this movie and strong. Um, with Jeremy Piven, probably the high, one of the highlights for me. Yep. Uh, but for me, it was Eugene Levy. Um, 
I thought he stole the show when he was in the movie. Um, and we go back to if we go back to the Step Brothers pod where we talked um, about Will Ferrell and being able to pop up into a movie and and be there for five, ten, fifteen minutes, take over the movie. You you just get you, it's just enough of him. I think this is like what a this is what Eugene Levy did. He was in the movie for probably. I know five to ten minutes, what th- four scenes, um, and I thought he was really strong. And was probably the funniest part of the movie, so I thought he was really good. Um, favorite scene, Glenn. I'll go to you first this time. Um, for me, it's probably the opening sequence where they meet. Um, it's a, I've got two. I've got two. The opening sequence where they meet and they grab the gloves and then they the third person comes to take the gloves and then they just sort of bounce off each other just making up a fictional story about why they're buying the gloves and, and that they were there first and just the chemistry between them and the um i don't know i just really enjoyed that opening and right up probably until they they leave that first time they part each other part ways that's probably my favorite part of the movie yeah, my other I got two. I'm just gonna I'll skip other aspects, and I'll do my second one now, which is um the moment where she gives him the book, the gift, and he opens the book and it's got the name because it's such a heartbreaking moment for her, the poor bride, and it's just ah uh, it was just a good moment, and they're my two favourite scenes. Yeah. Yep. Michael. Uh, look, I enjoyed the um, the warehouse scene. Um, that was kind of funny where, you know, Eugene Levi gives um, uh, Jeremy McPivin a massage <laughs> and then, like, that goes on to, like, you know, look at that thing and there's a snatching. It's a bit of comedy. Um, that was all right. Um, then there was the... I actually enjoyed the... There was some of the... Like, some of the... the I guess it's kind of a serendipitous chase sequence where they're kind of chasing down all the places um, uh, Jonathan had been. Um, but the golf ball falling over, that was kind of funny. Um, and uh, and then the scene with the uh, the painter, Mignon, um, that was kind mm-hmm. of interesting too. Um, how it kind of ends up with like, yeah, yeah, see, it's the painting and this is just... It's like a Picasso, yeah, it's not a picture. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> uh, yeah, probably the, the um, director. Director asked the whoever got that. They said, "Find me a painting that looks nothing like her." <laughs> That's what they come up with. <laughs> uh, for well, yeah, for me, it was pretty much any time uh, Eugene Levy was on the screen. As I said, I thought he he probably stole the movie in some ways. You know, when he was on the screen, I thought he was excellent. Um, and when Molly Shannon. Uh, Eve, the friend, got hit in the head by the golf club and then gets taken out. Well, gets hit in the head by the golf ball and gets yeah. taken out by the golf club. Even though you could see it, it happening, it was about to happen, it's still not a bad bit of comedy. Yeah. There's also J- Jeremy um, Piven's pro- uh, proletariat speech, like, you know, to the, the young kid, you know, to kind of give him access to stuff. That was kind of funny, too. I enjoyed <laughs> that. It's in that kind of same vein. Other notable aspects. That was a that was a good example of John Cusack's acting that I was talking about before, where he doesn't say anything, but he's just watching and listening and reacting, and he's just his face during that scene. He's just like, and he's just like, yeah, 
it's hard to explain on audio, but um, <laughs> like, yeah. Someone say it's yeah. just acting. Uh, but the way he, I don't know, he just doesn't really acting kind of overreacts without over overreacting. Like it's 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 good. Anyway, sorry, Scott, continue. No, no, no exactly right. You can continue on. Other notable aspects, Glenn. No. Other than John Cusack's acting. Yeah, that was a highlight. Um, I liked the music. It was very good. Same composer as Back to the Future, for those who didn't know that. Ooh, uh, yeah. Adam Silvestri. Adam Silvestri, yeah. Um, yeah, the music was good. Um, it looked... It was fine. It, it looked fine. The, the shots, nothing extraordinary. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know. There, yeah, that's I've got nothing. <laughs> uh, I actually didn't like the music, and I thought the the end song was disappointing. I would have thought, being that this was released in two thousand and one, you know, you would have had like a nice love song for me that you know two thousand two thousand and one would have made more sense at that time, other than some sort of obviously a, a relevant older song. Um, for me, I, watching this movie. Just how great New York is as a setting for a movie. Um, you know, like the ice skating at night when, when it's snowing just looked incredible. It just looked uh, romantic. It just looked beautiful. It's just somewhere you wanted to, you'd, you'd love to be. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed my most notable aspect because, yeah, it's probably New York yeah. as, a, as a great movie setting. Yeah. And I've actually ice skated on that ice ring. Just mm. yeah. <laughs> have you had a Have you had a hot chocolate? Yeah, like I have. No. Have you, Glenn? Yeah, I might have had a coffee. I don't know. I definitely had maybe a hot chocolate. I don't know. Can't remember. You didn't have one of the big milkshake things that they were drinking. I really. I probably. I probably have chocolate photos somewhere that will tell me what I had. <laughs> But I have a mug from there that's just like I still use most days <laughs> that I bought when I was there. Oh, nice. Michael? Um, this this movie was a struggle for me. Um, the like, You're right. It was There was nothing extraordinary with the, the way it was shot. Like, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, and you expect that for a $20 million, $28 million mm. budget. Yeah, like, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of bare bones in a lot of ways. Um, the shots are well composed, but there's, you know, there's obviously not going for stacks of movement. It's kind of very still. It is trying to give there's you a, a sense of calm. There's a lot of movement. What's that? There's, every shot. there's some, like, it's not, I mean, nothing that, like, you know, there's handheld or anything like that. There's And there's some shots where it kind of, it moves around from yes. side to side a little bit, yep. but it's nothing, you know, dramatic. There's no dramatic cranes or... Um, but like you know, a lot of shots though are shot, you know, like you know, static shot, static shot, um, with like you know, and it's subtle movement. There's nothing um, over, you know, overbearing, which is kind of nice. But you know, there's no, I guess like you know, if you're looking for those technical aspects, um, it's well lit. You know, the shots are well composed, um, but I guess it's I don't know, like you know, it, what didn't really kind of do a lot for me. You know, the the music was kind of there. Um, the, you know, the right, the setting was kind of like interesting, but, um, it didn't grab me and maybe, maybe kind of the, the whole kind of concept of, um, stalking, 
God, <laughs> keep coming back to me. <laughs> yeah. They're my interesting things. Oh, actually, there were some there were some nice sequences of random chance. You know, that were kind of cool. There were, you know, a few were just kind of like, you know, they'd set up a, you know, a sequence where, like, you know, this thing has happened. Um, but I, I think the premise is a bit of a stretch. Before you go, what questions did you have? Questions, queries, tidbits? Oh, um... Why was she with Lars in the first place? Like, clearly, they were incompatible. Like, she, you know, why why did she stick it out for a few years or whatever? I mean, I guess was she the original boyfriend? Um, possibly not. Possibly. Uh, what else? Um, how did that intern keep his job um, for violating privacy laws? We don't know he um, did his job. <laughs> I know. And I said, ah. did he? Um, um, did uh, Jeremy Pivot and, like, you know, his partner kind of stay together, the best bud? Um, I think these are all questions outside of the story, so they can't really be answered. So, no, not really, apart from that. It you're right. It would have been a nice scene is that when they're, you know, when they're having right at the end where they're having their reunion 12 months after um mm -hmm. and all that and eugene levy's there it would have been nice to see jeremy piven come in with his missus um assuming that they've stayed together so we just get some sort of closure of that it's it's interesting you wonder if like you know it is like um they're going for simple there like you know like by you know they've got that space to shoot in and they've got a couple of scenes as like rather than going for like you know for this bigger mm. end or you know it does kind of harp back to its opening and a lot of films do that um mostly do that well um but this one you know brings us back to that space um so you know in the sequence of events they actually would have shot all that stuff at the same time so it would have been like you know and you know all right guys let's set up for the you know we're, we've got this location for like you know two days um you know we're up to the like the final toast scene yeah um, good call mm. uh for me i'll come to you in a second glenn a couple of questions from me uh or no tidbits home numbers as opposed to mobiles certainly makes life harder to try and find someone especially considering that some of the like a number was you know from ages and you know from seven years ago and obviously they've moved and living in a different state like these days ah. if it was a mobile number you're probably more likely to have had that going forward Except it's set in two. Well, it's set, I assume it's set in two thousand one. Uh, like we've got mobile phones. The internet was a thing. Yeah, mm. and I'm pretty sure the yellow pages or the white pages were also a directory. You could search numbers. So, what? Yeah. So he didn't have her number because he lost it. Remember? No, he didn't because it was in the. And book. I think too, this is one thing we noticed. Which, if I go back to other notable aspects, it seemed dated, like the. The fashion and things like that seemed quite dated, and then well, it was 20, 21 years ago, twenty two years ago, because it probably but it felt like before. early to mid nineties, and we actually looked, and I think that's when it's actually supposed to have been set. Was so it mm -hmm. might have been a script that was kicking around for he a while. Was, he was he did originally want to set it early nineties. He said like ninety one. Um, listen to the commentary today. He was saying it was originally yep. going to be set in ninety one, but I think they just decided not to give it a date, but. 
there is a mistake if you when they have the close-up of the receipt out of the glove it does say 1990 or 1991 on it if you look really quickly but that's a mistake because it isn't supposed to really have a date i think yeah, yeah so that probably explains why the that internet and mobile phones probably weren't as prevalent throughout um <clears throat> at the end you know that nice where he sits down on the that nice moment where he sits down on the bench and he sees the leather jacket and then he steals it well, walks it to the center of the ice ice skating rink and just lies down with it is that odd well yes i thought like you know are you going to check it for a Ooh. name or a contact number and this could have been that could have been it. it's like sarah no i mean i mean it's kind of it was nice how it played out and Ish, but like you know, surely you take you check it for a name. You don't just kind of steal someone's jacket. It was weird. What if they well, come back? What, for? That's the thing. No, no. Exactly well, luckily it was her. Otherwise, he's just stolen some poor <laughs> yeah. person's jacket and like gonna lay down in the middle of an ice well, skating rink. How how could she tell though? Like that it was him. Like he's clearly lying, lying down on the like uh, the concrete, looking up the stars in the middle of a roller skating rink. Um, it's like yeah, I'll throw my glove out. See what happens. She's fishing there. She's just gonna maybe it's yeah, the guy she was playing golf earlier. <laughs> it's like, I don't. I don't want to approach him yeah, because he's a crazy let's man. Throw a glove at him. Yeah. Hey, that bastard! That bastard's got actually, my leather jacket. He's stolen my leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. I throw my glove. Maybe I can get the jacket. There's actually two things going on. I've got. I've got a fifty-fifty chance here. So you know, like you know, for chance. One, it's a homeless person that needs a glove. Two, it's the guy I'm looking for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like here you go, homeless person. Oh, oh my god. Jonathan, what are the odds that you were here? Oh, wow. Uh, and my last... Seriously, I think she thought it was a homeless person. <laughs> and my last, my last question... Uh, I, should look, I, don't know. I should have picked Jerry Maguire. Sorry. You, wait, you really, you, you really <laughs> should have. Um, so my last question here, should I really like these people? Look, I'll admit, I'm not a big rom-com fan, but Hayley seemed really nice. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, Lars was a bit of a dick, and I get that. But, like, yeah. these people are both engaged. Haley seems like a really nice person. Uh, you know, he's, she's bought him this really nice present and everything else. Like, she seems really committed to this relationship. They both blow off their partners on some whim, on a hope. Yep. And, like, I, I think the night before been... the wedding, he calls it off. Should I like this bloke? He yeah, seems like a dick. Was... Yeah. It was, it was really hard to like, like, even though... John Cusack does a good job. It was really hard to like Jonathan because pretty much at every chance that we see in this film, um, he's inadvertently moving yeah. away from Haley. Or yeah, yeah. He's active. Um, and she's not doing anything wrong. Like, you know, it's like you were you were doing the wrong thing. And I guess maybe this is a um like this is like that, that twenty years between now and then, like, you know. Uh, maybe twenty years ago was kinda interesting to kinda like, you know, yeah, like, you know, go chase your dreams um but we kind of we see that representation those aspects of like how we see women in film and she is like this kind of bit character that she's not really empowered um you know and i guess it would have been easier to like um the character if she was a like you know maybe she wasn't nice like you know it should have been you know maybe they were both stuck in like relationships that you know like terrible like relationships and that's kind of you know, that's why well, that would have made more sense if, um, if like, if they did that well with Lars and instantly you're sort of going, well, we, we actually don't want her with Lars. We want her to find Jonathan. But you're looking at Hayley and she seems like a, a really nice person. 
there was never a scene. Went, maybe mm. it's only went for an hour and a half. So maybe there was a couple of scenes that they cut out where, you know, she come across as stuck up or obnoxious or overbearing or, you know, she wanted him to change his career or do something. But the 90 minutes that we see, Jonathan's a dick. He's a prick. Why are you leaving this poor guy, girl? She seems yeah. awesome. And I guess... There's an interesting scene where, like, um, he walks into he walks on his home and he's got a six pack of beer, and he kind of like you know he goes, "Hey," but she's clearly asleep and it's like he just kind of he's just chugging the beer there, just going, "Dude, that's kind of you're weird there." Like, you, I don't know, he's trying to build up to break up with her, or you know, just kind of as much as like um his character, like you know his best friend saying like you know God, you're you're my hero, in some ways is a he coward. Is. I'm team you know, Haley. I'm team Haley yeah. all the way. <laughs> yeah. Glenn, any questions? A couple of the same as you. Um, my first question at the very start of the movie was who goes out for a dessert you know, with this person they've literally just met when they have a fiancé or a girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Serendipity, I mean, and I mean that as in the, the actual kind of like, you know, random chance, um, is not a basis to form a relationship, surely. You know, <laughs> yeah that was just like that the first thing i was like who does that but luckily i think they're just good actors and you just go along with them and you want them to get together even though yeah it means yep. being a jerk i guess but you know they don't show those scenes <laughs> where they're Is... breaking up or whatever <laughs> whilst we're on this there's a there's a kind of a discordant scene and that's to do with um with sarah's character she is a counsellor, and she is giving advice to this guy, um, relationship advice, and she's essentially saying, like, do not trust, leave it to fate to do these things. Mm. Even though, like, you know, we see in every other part of the movie, she's kind of like, you know, yeah, fate, woo, destiny, it's going to get me everywhere I need to be. But that kind of, that was like a weird fit, like, you know, had she been jaded on this, like you know, at this stage, like it was like, um, no, don't don't trust her, fate, man. It, it screws you over. I'm stuck in this dead end relationship now because I kind of didn't kind of give my number properly to a guy that was kind of interesting in New York about three years ago, and now I'm stuck with Lars. Jeez. Yeah, well, What's she, going I on think there? she was. Fate sucks, she was man. Jaded a bit because when she got the wedding ring and it didn't fit, and he was like, oh, I don't read anything into it. She's like, no, it's fine. You know, she didn't care anymore. She's like, yeah, and and I guess that's. And that's the thing, like, you know, clearly the character does still, like, you know, she's reading stuff into it, but as a job, she does the opposite, like... Mm. There was, like, a bit of a red herring that they'd thrown in there for a second, so you're like, a, oh, so she's changed, she's not really that way, and then, that nah, bang, all fate, love fate. Sorry, Glenn. Uh, my next one was, yeah, the 555 number, and I know that's a movie thing, but is it a mobile number or a landline? I don't, I don't know, and... Landline. <laughs> And why didn't they just ring the number? Like, oh, I'm going to, you know, call the newspaper and say, this is the phone number I need an address for. And she got the number and she was like, I need an address for this number as well. It's like, call the number. You know, yeah, they probably would have rang that artist guy. But um, I don't know why they don't just ring the number that they get. Anyway. Um, Yeah, I was just when she found out from his... She went to his bill, his address, and they said, "Oh, he's getting married. He's late for the wedding." At that point, she should have said, "Oh, he's getting married." I wonder if that's the same wedding that my friend went to the rehearsal for, 
she might know who this guy is. Maybe I should call her and say, hey, you know, what's the bride's name? What's her number? You know, she could have just found him straight away, mm. basically, if she'd thought about it. And mm. my last question, which I actually have an answer for, um, how did she throw the glove so far at the end? Like she was very far away from him and she threw it a very long distance and it's yeah. not hit it's, it's not possible it could have gone that far. Yes. And in the director's commentary, he actually said, and obviously she couldn't throw a glove that far, but it's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And obviously all the skaters wouldn't just disappear that quickly. It's a movie. <laughs> so, well, this is to true. your questions. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's just, and probably the answer to so many of our questions, it's just a movie. These are things yeah. are contrived and constructed and someone has thought, how can I make this look good on film? You know, I mean, really, what they could have just done is put some sinkers in the glove. You know, a bit of lead sinkers in the fingers. That would have gotten far enough. And, you know, and then we would have known if it was the homeless guy or Jonathan Drager. Maybe she maybe she put stones in there <laughs> as a way to try and knock the bloke out who'd stolen her jacket. It was actually it was actually a defensive. <laughs> ah, I missed him. It's landed on his chest. That's not going to take him out. <laughs> uh, anything else, Glenn? You have one more? No. No, no, that's all. Michael, over to you for trivia. All right. Now, you will have to... I, I did just have a computer crash, and um, I'll have to see if my word has... It has said right, trivia, beautiful. so we're good. Okay, so... Uh, John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale filmed only a few days together during the shoot, much like the characters saw each other only for a limited time in the, sh in the actual movie, which it kind of comes back to that sort of, like I was saying earlier, with the scene at the... Like, you know, we have our anniversary here. Um yeah, because they only they only had each other. They were only at that location for a few times together. Um, during filming in New York City, the following note was posted on a production trailer. Yes, we are filming a movie. It is called Serendipity. It stars John Cusack and some girl from Britain that you would wouldn't know, even if we told you her name. Uh, we will be shooting tonight until mid morning. Please don't ask the crew any questions, even if they don't look like they are working. They are thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, interesting. Glenn's view. The drink Sarah and Jonathan have at Serendipity is the famous frozen hot chocolate. Also, since the movie opened, the table where they sit has been called the Star Table at the restaurant. No, I was upstairs. I didn't go upstairs. Or anything. Um, now, this is an interesting thing. Like, you know, I'm going to, I'll read this one out and then you can figure out why, maybe. Um, because I was thinking about, it, I thought, like, I thought this movie was, was a late, late 90s one, because mm. that's what it felt like. Um, or a 90s film. Uh, following the destruction of the World Trade Center on September 11, images of the World Trade Center towers were digitally removed from all skyline shots of New York. Um, and I'm thinking, like, I, I, I get why that would be, you know, um, a, a thing. Um, but surely this is a 90s film. Why would you take it out of that? Uh, because it was a 2001 film. So <laughs> it was pretty, you know, it was being released at the time. Um... Kate Beckinsale and Molly Shannon disagreed about with using stunt doubles and perform all their own stunts. I, my, of course, my question about this film is what stunts were they? I mean, maybe it was the golf ball to the head and the golf club. Maybe that was kind of stuntish. But did Kate Beckinsale actually perform any stunts? Oh, there was something in the director's commentary that I can't remember what he said, but there was a there was a couple things. Unless it's a joke, um, it's like no, no, we don't need to stunt doubles. We'll do all our own stunts, like you know, because there are no stunts. I don't know. Come back to it, Glenn. Have a thing. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, 
Um, Love in the Time of Cholera is mentioned in another John Cusack movie, High Fidelity. Um, uh, although it's not a TV show, I don't know. Um, Jonathan tells Sarah that he can make out the constellation Cassiopeia, the freckles on her arm in the movie The Sure Thing. John Cusack's character points out the constellation Cassiopeia to Allison, his love interest. I don't know if there's a John Cusack thing or writers, I don't know. Um, Jennifer Aniston turned down the role. Um, basically, she goes, no, I do rom-com every, you know, once every week. I'm out. I don't want to do, you know, I've got friends. I'm not doing uh, this serendipity film. And John Cusack and Jeremy Piven have co-starred in Gross Point Blank, uh, One Crazy Summer, and Say Anything, and probably other films too. Like, so, And that is my trivia. Sweet. Uh I have a couple of trivias. Oh, good, Glenn. Um, just from the director's commentary that I, know, that I noted. The first few scenes where they meet that I... My favourite part of the movie, because I thought the chemistry was just really, really good, is that was a reshoot, because when they first shot it, it was one of the... They barely knew each other, and there was no chemistry, and um, it was fine, but it wasn't great. And so they reshot that opening scene at Bloomingdale's and it was much better after they'd worked together a little bit um, so that was a reshoot you'd think as part of like you know we need chemistry there needs to be go have mm. fun together or rehearsals and you know go out have a drink mm. and yak it up and or here's this kind of icebreaker you know go jump off a bridge together you know with bungee rope or i don't know some sort of activity that you know builds that i'm sure they could save a lot of money by just having some like you know chemistry building exercises um another trivia is that john cusack uh, improvised a few line a few bits here and there and apparently in the first act of the film three of the biggest laughs come from john cusack improvisations um, including the like the one that he did point out was when he when he um, she left the first time and he kicks the snow on the ground and then he runs off and says oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry to imaginary people that aren't actually there off screen um, <laughs> when he kicks kicks the snow up um, just little things like that that he would throw in um, I'll leave it there for trivia sweet nice all right final thoughts and rating Glenn I'll leave you to last as this is your movie. Michael, would you like to kick us off? Certainly. Um, I remember this film being better. And, you know, I, 2001, I thought, oh, yeah, Serendipity, that was all right. I thought, and when Glenn said it, I thought, oh, yeah, that was an okay film. I, you know, I've never kind of pursued it. Um, but I guess it feels like it has aged um, both kind of in terms of uh, representation but also... Um, how we operate as a society. Um, and it did, it was hard to get past the actual stalker nature of John Cusack's character, Jonathan. Um, and, you know, I, it really, like, you know, like you said before, I, I feel bad for Haley. Like, you know, Team Haley. Putting into the relationship, Team Haley. Like, and, um, and Jonathan's on this kind of sort of journey of kind of trying to push fate in some ways it's like you know now i'm trying to discover her like um and where he really should have just been out at like you know having his bucks party or something the fool would have been much easier um yeah the fate thing he keeps going on about fate and she's like we'll see if we go on the same floor and they do press the same button but then the boy 
you know, it comes on and it's like, oh, but fate, they did press the same button, but also fate let that boy on and let that boy press all those buttons. So obviously they weren't meant to. So yeah. If, if this movie has taught us anything, is that random chance is not enough to base a relationship <laughs> on. Um, and if you really want it, like if you find someone or you meet someone and they're like, you know, they're pretty cool, maybe put the effort in. Like, you know, sort of get the number. Make friends with them on Facebook, whatever. Um, you never know if you'll randomly meet them three years later through a $5 note, a stolen jacket, and like a series of stalking escapades. Um, this is a 4.5 for me. 4.5. Glenn. So I, I, no, no, no. So I, I smashed your movie last pod, and I felt bad. I genuinely felt bad because that was a good movie. Chasing the podcast was a lot of fun. Same score as Step Brothers. You gave it. Um, So I thought to myself, I don't want to like these are obviously some of Glenn's favourite movies. This is where he's wanting to go. So you know, in in fairness to you and the and the and the pod i am um, as i said i got my what made my wife to watch it because she's a big rom-com fan i thought i'll we'll get she to that in a sec. so, <laughs> we, so <laughs> she's a big rom-com fan she is my wife has watched i think watches 90 percent of the rom-coms that are on netflix or whatever streaming service that we're happy to be watching at the time she loves them she she must be struggling later. Rom coms is big. there's a real dirt in rom coms. If we ever get my wife onto the podcast and we ask her that question, she will probably go on a, on a, at least a ten minute tirade about how disappointing it is that we no longer have rom coms because they are a great form of movie. We mm. actually watched one the other day: George Clooney, Julia Roberts. It wasn't bad. Anyway, we watched the movie, got through it. <clears throat> For me, I, I thought I was hoping it would be fun, it would be funnier. I wasn't a huge fan overall. I said, to my, I said to Trane, I said, what did you think? She said to me, there's 90 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. And I thought, oh, <laughs> okay. That is, I mean, that is that is one of the harshest <laughs> so, sketches I can give. I've tried to do the um, right thing by you, Glenn, because I was going to be guided by my wife on this one, and she said that wasn't a good rom-com. There's so many mo- Betty ones, why couldn't you pick this one? Why couldn't you pick that one? I said, well, because we've... It's kind of the way that we do the pod. You can't just pick random ones. Um, so she actually gave it a four out of ten. I agree with her. I'm sorry, Glenn. I'm not trying to shoot on all your movies. I do apologise. But it's a four from me. There's not many better than this movie. Like, maybe oh, Never Been yeah. Kissed is better. Maybe, that was, um, that was a guy in ten days. Jerry McBloody Guire is better than this. <laughs> That's that. How do lose a guy's like maybe? It's not a rom com, Scott. It's a sports movie it's dressed really up really as a, a rom com. It's like a cross dressing sports movie. There's nothing that's wrong with anything cross dressing. That's actually that's the sports movie I've got a problem with. Well, is it though? Is it or is it just a love story that's based harsh. around sport, Michael? We had this. We did have. Three, I think like Jerry. Yeah. Jerry has a midlife crisis, um, and. Um, Drama, 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 is, drama, is and is Renee. It, is it comedy? And Renee Zellweger comedy. gets sucked up into his vortex of shit. Mm. Like you know, that's, that's correct. Like drama but it just happens that he's a he's a sports agent, so he's a, it's not really a sports movie. It's more of a romantic drama. But anyway, anyway, let's get back to serendipity. Your rating. Oh, well, you know, you guys. Um, 
sorry. I, sorry, Glenn. I, I do remember this film being better. <laughs> Me too. And it was. Um, I was thinking after I watched it, I was like, is this another 10 out of 10? Because I do too many of them, I feel like. And I thought, <laughs> oh, maybe I'll give it a 9.5 out of 10. But then I was trying to think, what makes it 0.5 worse? Like, what what is the 0.5 that loses the, from the 10? There's nothing. Like, I couldn't think of any reason to give it less than 10. But then after the last hour of listening to you two, I've decided... <laughs> so sorry, Glenn. Carry on. I've decided 11. No, um, I've decided... Um, nine point. I'll give it nine point five. I'm wrapped that you've given it a nine point five, Glenn, because the, and look at it and it's oh, no, well, just for the are. simple fact that, that there are four movies on eighteen adaptation: The Ice Storm, Josie and the Pussycats, and now this, <laughs> which have all been picked by Glenn, and have all had scores of Glenn of even nine point five or ten, and we she can the rest of it, Michael. <laughs> I actually, like, given Adaptation was one of our first, and since then, like, because I think I gave it, like, equal scores or, you know, just above Jesse James, I would probably give it, like, you know, at least half a point more now. Um, you know, because, I mean, Jesse James was pretty bad. We can do a rap, rap yeah, episode. we yeah. probably will. Maybe. Um, and, like, but it is important. It's your film, then. You love it, film. That's, you know, keep loving it. That's the important thing. Uh, <laughs> As I said, Glenn, I I wanted to be fair, so I got my wife and I thought, I'll follow her, I'll listen to what she said, because she's a big rom-com fan when she she can. All right, at least I'm... And and hopefully also a big fan of the podcast. Uh, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Love you, Tree. I think she's listened to one of them. Um, (laughs) All right, so... (laughs) As I said, with a score of four and a half, nine and a half, and four, that gives us a total of eighteen, which sits it in the well, it sits it in the fourteen position with adaptation, the ice storm and serendipity. It is half a point better than We Are Marshall and Unstoppable, um, but it is not quite as good as the Born Identity at eighteen point five. And look, you know, you look. It's it's meant to be fat there. That's the bell curve. That's where all the average movies end up. No. So it's above average, Glenn. No. Own that. <laughs> no. Um, uh, all right. Now it's time for our... Cinematic Loop. Again, Glenn, I am sorry. And I'm looking forward to your third choice. I'm, I'm hoping that I can at least get this one above a five. So this is... Look, I see... Uh, I see this is this is the only dip you've had in your three so far. Like, you know, I enjoyed Josie. The this is the only dip in the three that you've Serendipity. had. You don't know the third. It's so only picked two. Well, I'm confident. So I'm confident anything, I know a downward I'm... trend, Michael. Well, this is true, but I'm confident Actually, where it's going. for me, it's an upward trend. I'll give you the... Yeah, I mean, it can only go up from here, surely. There's no more Jesse Jameses out there. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Glenn, this is the last. This is the last of the trifecta for you, and then we, we move to Michael. So, All right, who are you leaping to? I was going to go to a movie that has Jack Black. Uh-huh. Is Ooh, it, was it The okay. Holiday? My, my, my wife thinks I should choose Molly Shannon oh. and leap to a movie called Promising Young Woman, um, which is a really good movie we watched earlier this year, and she thinks it would be great to hear us talking about that film. Uh huh. Um, so 
I considered that. But then after watching John Cusack in this film, <laughs> oh yeah, I just he's just too, he's just so good. I just have he, to watch another one. And look, again. he's had some there's some joyous moments out there. You know, we like um, Con Air. Like we've seen him yes. there. That's great. Um, Adaptation. Uh, great. Being John Malkovich. Was he in those? Oh, that's awkward. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, mm. Gross point blank. Like, that's you know, where, I, uh, that's that was where I'm hoping we will land because that's a, uh, a cracking movie. Um, um, so, yes. So I can't really go past picking him as my leaper this time. So mm-hmm. it's it's good because it gets me to a film I really like because other, other than him being, yeah, a great actor this enables going with john cusack enables me to talk about my desert island all-time top five most oh. favorite movies <laughs> I in, knew it. in chronological order yes in go chronological say. order go so on that list at number five high fidelity oh, i was actually you'd actually build five. up to five fidelity High oh. fidelity. Oh, I should have started at one. Yeah, you should have started at one. Yeah. All right, okay. Let's like we'll fix it in post. We're not going to fix it in post. Go from one. What do you? We're watching high fidelity. What's number one? Go from number so one. Your, and top, down. your top movie. We've already done your top movie. Ice the storm. Ice storm. The ice storm. Yeah. What's after that? Number one. Back to, Back to the Future. Oh, we've done that. Great film. Our best. Vanilla film Sky. Ever. Haven't done Vanilla Sky. No, we've not done Vanilla Sky. But we would have if I did Jerry Maguire. Yes. Um, and uh, number four is adaptation. Mm-hmm. We've done. Number five, high fidelity. High fidelity. Yes. Have not seen uh, it, so I'm interested. The, I mean, well, it has Jack Black, and hopefully that takes us to School of Rock. But who knows? You know, might I might watch Tenacious well, D or something. I, I'll find <laughs> some way to get to where I want to go. Um, but like you know. Uh, Jack Black is not the reason to watch this film. Like, you know, it is good right. in its own sort of right in other ways. So, It's another great uh, movie about mu- about music and not not just about a band. There's a little subplot with a band, but there's also, it's just about a guy working in a record store as well, which is just awesome. I just love that sort of stuff. Mm. <laughs> talking about lots of characters talking about music. I'm looking forward to it. You should. No, I do. It's got John Cusack in it. I mean, amongst other people. Well, as I said, I haven't seen it, and I'm looking forward to uh, yeah, having a crack, see what it's like. Beautiful. Great. Hopefully you get more than 18. You are consistent, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that, we'll talk, see you next time after watching High Fidelity. Thank you. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.